Well, well this uh, I'm going to kick off uh, season three with uh, with a with a, a, a little bit of a, a, a an explosion. What? Now I'm going to start off season three with a little bit of an ex- uh, an announcement that was hinted at in the mid-season summer special. Right. Season three from now on is going to be. <laughs> or is that the explosion? That was a cat walking past the table. Season three is going to be weekly. Because we have been fortnightly. Fortnightly. The the what we've realised is now now is that. Uh, there isn't. We're not. We're not actually too sure there's a market for them. Are we? No, we're not sure. No, no. In order to start the weekly episodes of the podcasts, this one is one that fucking terrified me as a child, and it's called the flypaper. You'll understand why it's called the flypaper. It's quite obvious, but it actually, even the description of the episode, where you would go, "Oh, I wonder if it's called the flypaper because of this." In fact, I actually forgot the something that happens towards the end that would let you know that instantly why it's called flypaper. Right. I, I actually forgot that bit. However, I understand, because I called it flytrap, if you remember. You did, yeah. you did, yeah. And yeah. for me, that's the same sort of thing, is yeah. that, you know, you... you You've got to be careful. A here, fly yeah. wanders into a I bit, mean, you've be can't careful. get out. Yeah. Right, so that's so... I, and I know what's going to happen, and I, I didn't... Of course, there is, is there such a thing as a flytrap? I don't think there's a mouse trap. There's yeah. a Venus flytrap. Venus flytrap. There is a Venus trap, and I saw we were in the garden centre the other day, and that's a kind of middle-aged thing to say, isn't it? But I, I was. Really into, I did yeah, it. Yeah, did and at the counter, they had little Venus flytraps. Right. It said on there, do not touch. And do you know why? It says do not touch. I know this already, by the way. This wasn't an education on the day. Because if it shuts it... And doesn't catch something, it, it, it ingests eat. itself. Really? It has to eat. So it just kills itself. Isn't oh, that? Oh, wow. Isn't that? I mean, that's the ultimate sacrifice there, isn't it? At uh, garden centres, yes. near the Venus flytraps, right. they often also have those plants that if you touch them, they close up. Like bracken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are too much of a temptation aren't they to, yeah but the aftertouch days they do open up again though, yeah they do but, but they, they you know ours are fun I think yeah. I mean back in the 80s when when I was a kid and there were riots in Brixton and not much else uh, that's all we had to play with really A team was on the TV and uh, and Bracken that's, yeah, that's yeah. really all we had you weren't in Brixton of course were you no, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean that wasn't my alibi <laughs> I, I <laughs> I was like five between the ages of how old would it have been in the ni- in nineteen eighty? I'd have been four years old, right? Up right. to the nineteen nineties. Well, you know, I was born in the seventies, but I will never describe myself as a seventies child. I'd love to have been because I don't remember anything about the seventies. I, I remember a lot about the eighties. So I was born in the seventies. I am therefore an eighties child. I think yeah. that's what that's what. You well, mean. same for me. You see, I was born in nineteen sixty four. But you're a 70s child. Well, I'm a 70s child because that's where I grew up. Uh, and so that's how, I, that's how I think of myself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it bothers me when people say I was... But yeah. it'd, be good, it'd be good to be a child of the 60s because I'd be like into free love and yeah. all that, but that would, I was only six. So. And you would, you'd have, been born, have to have been born in the 50s and that's just a bit too much, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit too much. I'd have had to wear a hat and glasses. <laughs> yeah, um, and, uh, but it does bother me that, that I mean, my favourite music era... Um, with one or two exceptions, you know, there are some bands that kind of creep in, but effectively it's the 90s 
no, Nirvana still remain my the, my favourite band. But yeah. in that period of time of the nineties, so from ninety two onwards, mm. the birth of Britpop ninety six was it was the big climax. The big, you know, sort of Nebworth was was ninety six uh, Oasis Nebworth. I'm talking about. Yeah, and then it slowly petered out into two thousands where electronic music took over again. So you know, harking back to uh, electronic music of the eighties, but just a little bit shitter. Yeah, um, I mean, if the eight if the eighties couldn't got any shitter, the two thousands took over didn't it I mean it's just really rammed it to the ground but then as we've said before look back at the 80s and it seems good but you you sort of were demonstrating why that was the 60s no the 80s because I was saying if you look back at like 80s music and 80s films it looks quite good but you you had a theory about oh the theory is that it was just harder to do things it was just harder to get fix something out there yeah and it and it is only a theory but but in terms of kind of like look at look at the back catalogue of movies made yeah. and every one of them was a hit and there's a reason for that and it's because there was you know actors were harder to you know not everybody was getting into film school at yeah. that stage directors script writers but now I mean this is a good thing that people can start writing stuff willy nilly but it does seem to me that like a lot of things are taken on yeah. because of legacy as opposed to talent yeah I, I mean, mean I've got a, I've got a massive problem with those social media stars so they're all absolute dog shit I was growing up in the 80s and this episode of the Tales Unexpected frightened me more than than anything in the world at the time what type what episode what year was this 81 82 1980 uh, mid 80s no, 1980. Uh, sorry, mid-1980, yeah. August 1980, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I saw this episode and just didn't want to even go to school. How old, didn't want to how grow old up. would you be? I'd then? have been four. Wow. Yeah, I, I remember it absolutely vividly, thinking, if that's what school's like, yeah. I don't want to go. I don't blame you. No, and it, and it stuck with me, because I even daren't watch the episode right now, but we have done now. Yeah. Well, you were safe, weren't you? Because I was, I was with you. You were with me, yeah. Um... I don't think we need to tell dance all the way through. No, but well, I insist. You do. Well, I did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's kick the episode off then. Have we had the intro music? No. Let's go. Okay, we're back then. Let's let's kick the episode off. Um, it's first thing is it's not written by Roald. That's right. It's it says introduced by. And then we reveal in the credits, and Roll does it as well. That it's written by Elizabeth Taylor. The late Elizabeth Taylor. But not the Elizabeth Taylor. No, who Liz... probably wouldn't have been late at no, that point. No, this is Liz Taylor, who's a short story writer, or rather was famous for short stories. And who lived near Old Dahl. Six minutes of... Six minutes or six miles? I reckon it'd be six minutes. I can't remember what I put here. Oh, I saw an annoying thing. I do, I'm just going to have to go in What, here. in this episode? No. Right. I was watching a, watching some, one of the afternoon quiz programmes. Yeah. And it had got uh, the uh, the dragon who has 47 children. Father of 10, Peter Jones, he was on it. And uh, they were talking about how long would it take you to travel to the moon in a car at 60 miles an hour? It's about cool. It's about a quarter of a million miles, 250,000 miles, isn't it? Well, except that father of 27, Peter Jones, said, oh, I've seen a programme on this. It's 3,000 miles to the moon. And I'm what? thinking... What? It would make it closer than America, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would take any time to get there at all. 
And like, he was absolutely adamant on it. And it, and it was really, really pissing me off. What was this programme? Was there an audience involved? What it is, they, they have some single randomer guy, yeah. uh, you know, Joe Public. And they ask him questions, and then they have, like, a panel. Is this you know, that one with, um, it's, it's, yeah, it, hang on, is it, is it called Debatable? Yes. Yes. I, I didn't see this episode, but I know the programme. Yeah. Now, now they did, he did come up with the right answer, which it would take six weeks or six yeah. months or something, but he was adamant it was 3,000 miles. And it was one of those, you know, where you say, you're shouting at the telly. I, I couldn't <laughs> stop myself. It, it really, really... It winds you up, doesn't it? So from now on, because Miel have always got this thing that he always seems to have had more children and whenever, <laughs> whenever the dragon den introduced him it's father of so he's now going to be father of 3,000 yeah gone. well it takes um, Roald Dahl 3,000 miles to get to uh, Liz uh, Taylor's house even though it's only six minutes away no it's six minutes or six miles My, it's probably about the same actually six minutes and six miles if you're travelling at 60 miles through the country lanes of Great Missenden yeah yeah well okay. that's true yeah um, anyway um, he is very complimentary about her style he is, isn't he? And the story in particular. He says it's so neat and spooky. Um, and then his ending sort of statement is, watch carefully. Now, that is a little misleading because I think you're... Because it starts off where police jump out of a van and start searching an area. And and had I not known what this was about and I'd heard, I'd heard watch carefully, yeah. I might have been looking for some clues that were a little bit sub- subliminal. But actually... Everything's in full in plain sight, he's, and that's why it works. He's a bit of one of those for that, though, isn't he? You know yeah. what I mean? I think he misleads you. <laughs> like with the Umbrella Man, you yeah. know how it would lead to ultimate chaos yeah. if, if people took people's uh, umbrellas. So um, as the as the police jump out of this van and start going like in through marshlands and quarry area and stuff like that, you hear a news report. Uh, the, yeah. the news report is, is essentially a schoolgirl's gone missing. They, re- they describe her. Uh, her name is uh, Elaine Phillips. She's yeah. twelve, and, and she was five foot something or other, and she's been missing for about five days. Yeah. She? Now, then you cut to a girl who is playing, but uh, some Beethoven in a music class. Now, so you don't actually know whether that. Police hunt was a flashback, maybe a flash forward. You don't really know at the time, or it could be happening as we're speaking. Yeah. As it happens, I'll settle this debate now. It's happening as we're speaking. It is, yeah. yeah. It's just a different part of the, the countryside. Bit of a red herring yeah. there. Uh... It could be, yeah. So um, anyway, she's she goes. Uh, she's playing this Beethoven piece, and she's in a music lesson. Who's and it's run outside of school time. So the woman who's teaching her seems to hate her as well. Yeah. Uh, but also that she hates the music teacher and the music and the lesson. Um, <laughs> so she's constantly getting criticised. For, for not practising. Yeah. And actually, this is the wrong way to educate children. Because the right way to educate children is to encourage and to reward and... But that was recognize. probably not really known in the eighties. No, it, but it's. I mean, but that's. I mean, that, I think that's why uh, we never answered so much, and yet kids are doing quite well now. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Any, anything's possible. Just go for it. You're not very good at that, but look what you are good at. You know. But it was in back in those days. It was like you're shit at this. Get get better. Yeah, which um, is why we've finished up doing podcasts that nobody listens to. <laughs> nobody nobody pays for. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the end of the lesson, and the girl couldn't be any happier. She is not 
Elaine, who's in this in the thing, I, I think well, no, I've already covered that story. But at the yeah. time, I'm thinking, you know, is that search hunt for her? But no, I just wrote that down in my notes, so I'll probably edit that bit out okay. or, or won't. Yeah, I would because that might be a bit of a. Yeah. Yeah. Or we could just leave it in because this, we, we show how live this episode is. Anyway, okay. um, now then, uh, the next girl arrives, Louise, who is the star pupil. Yeah, she's, um, she's sort of like. Uh, in Just William, is is uh, that uh, that girl who screams screams as she stick? Is she a star pupil? I forget now, like a goody two shoes. Sort yeah, of thing. or is she not? I don't. Well, know. I'll tell you a name from the past. I don't know if you remember this. Well, when I was growing up and used to watch uh, pro- like kids programs, yeah. you ended up fancying like somebody from them, okay? Because they were your age and stuff. <laughs> Do you remember Marmalade Atkinson? Do you remember the name, Marmalade Atkinson? Sort of. What's she from then? She was like a really bad girl. She was oh, like really? a really, really naughty school girl, okay? And growing up, I was like a proper fan of it. Anyway, I'll tell you who it is, who she grew up to be. She's actually dead now. She died, oh. I think she had a, an asthma attack, but she was in Four Weddings and a Funeral as Hugh Grant's first, like, um, d- date to the wedding, the first wedding, where he's, you know, walking through that. house, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. And it's her... Oh, Charlotte Coleman. That's the one, yeah. And anyway, I really fancied her growing up, but I didn't tell anybody at the time because I didn't want people to know that I really liked a naughty schoolgirl. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like, I also really fancied a lot of the uh, Wildcats of St. Trinians, which was the, the movie. Yeah, but that's so understandable. You're they, meant to. They've got menses in that time. Yeah, you're meant to, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so um, now then, when Louise comes into the class, which is not a class, it's a vicarage? After school, uh, it's well. It's the it's the old woman's the old the music teacher's, teacher's house. house yeah. yeah, yeah. Now Louise is explaining that she's seen some creepy guy yeah. stood outside, and and with the report of this girl gone missing, they're linking the two. Maybe this is the guy. Yeah, she says he looks quite pathetic, and he's it's obviously him. And yeah, yeah. the music teacher suggests that they call the police, and should we call the police and stuff? But they, they, don't, ne- they don't bother, do they? Never really get round to that. No. Um, Louis starts to knock out a tune on the piano. She's playing she's Fleur, Fleur de Lis, I think yeah. you're saying, which is what Beethoven. the other one was playing. Yeah, but she's doing it really well, isn't she? she yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's effortless, really. Um, Louise, Sil- Sylvia walks out. Oh uh, yeah, Sylvia walks out, and she's obviously. Very unhappy with life, and yeah. She? She's there's a lot of uh, inner monologues that she's she's telling herself that she hates the music teacher, she hates the music lesson, and she's she's got a very downward view on on life itself. Yeah, she walks the way that she would generally walk, I think, outside of the music hall. But then she spots in the distance a guy, which who is played by Alfred Burke. Yeah. Now, this sort of. Uh, is, is a guy who I remember quite well because he was in a, uh, a series called Public Eye and it ran from 1965 to 1975, which, as I was saying, is my sort of uh, era of time. And it was about a guy who did investigations into cases handled by... No, I'll start again. And it was about investigations and cases handled by an unglamorous inquiry agent. <laughs> it's really just, like, quite specific, isn't it? <laughs> An unmarried loner in his early 40s when the series began. So, but it went on for quite a long time, and I used to watch it, because I've always liked that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Not, not things about unglamorous men in their 40s, <laughs> but things about private eyes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, lo- I love problem solvers. Yeah. They're, they're the best. 
Um, so yeah, so there's a cut to him. He seems to be up up, up high somewhere. He's yeah, got a long black coat on, isn't he? Yeah, which it doesn't seem to be in the same location of where she is. However, we're led to believe that it's the same location. Yeah, and what we said at the same time whilst we were watching this was that the, the cuts to him looking around in his face seemed to be stock footage yeah because it's just just a head just a headshot quite yeah, a lot yeah it? it's the same one yeah sometimes. so we, we we probably think that he just filmed quite a lot and then they used it when they needed to yeah. indicate he was about um so anyway so she's seen him uh, remembers the conversation that was in the music place so thinks, well, I best stay away from this dickhead, and then starts walking in the other direction, at which point Alfred Burke starts following her. Yeah, he does. Now, he's keeping his distance, he's not chasing her, but he is definitely following her. Yeah. Like, probably 30 feet behind her, but always 30 feet behind her. There's a cut back to the dogs and the uh, search scene for no real reason, I think. Uh, then another Alfred Burke headshot, yeah. and, uh, and, he's, and he's following her still. Yeah, she's walking through the town, and, um, and he's still following her, and then um, he, he's now... Uh, sh- sorry, now they're walking through a field. Yeah, next to a, a huge big cathedral. Massive church, cathedral, something like that, but it's, we can't really place it, so we'll, we'll, no, have, we'll no. have a look to see what it is, but it's, it uh, looked really spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, the only thing that sort of gives me a clue as to where to look is that they do say that they found the body in the Northwood Marshes. Right. So I'd look for Northwood, uh, in London, but uh, the only landmarks are Northwood Grange, Northwood School of Theology, and Northwood Hills Tube Station. So I'm really doubting it's Northwood. No, it's not. No, it's not Northwood, is it? Because it's it's yeah. it's impressive. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's it, but it also looks like it's right in the middle of the countryside. Yeah. So she starts to run, and and he's picking up the speed, t- the pace too. But yeah. what we see is it's it's a quite a nice shot. Where we see a, the, through the bus windows, the bus come in. Yeah, she runs, and others obviously caught the bus. He She's off. Yeah. He doesn't, and he's left thinking, "Hey, oh, what's going on here?" Now we then the news report claims that the, uh, the the girl Elaine's body has been found. Right, that's that point there. So when she, by the time she gets back home, um. Well, she's shaken, isn't she? Well, she must. It must be that uh, she finds out about the body when she gets home, because otherwise, because no, we find out. Oh, do the news report happens? Because I, I, I've got down that uh, we learn from the radio. Oh uh, yeah. So she catches the bus. I think what's shaking her is being chased by Alfred Burke, public eye across the field. <laughs> <so, laughs> yeah, you're would, right. Would probably be enough. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she's got back. Well, when she gets back home, yeah, so she must hear it on the radio. That's right. But while she's at the house, the vicar is round visiting. Yeah, and, and she lives with a grandma. Yeah, and grandma is like as cold as as ice, isn't she? Uh, as cold as the music teacher. Uh, and uh, she she even complains about how unattractive the kid is, <laughs> saying that she can't believe that a son of hers could have a child so unattractive. <laughs> I mean, that's really taking it to new levels. Isn't it, it is, yeah. Especially to the vicar. I mean, how would the vicar respond Yeah, because the vicar's still listening to this. So, anyway. What she reveals, anyway, is that the girl's parents are dead. Dead, yeah. And she sort of blames the parents for leaving the kid with her when they went off to die, didn't she? <laughs> 
the, the kid can't get a break, can no. she, really? Uh, so it's at this point she says to her, oh, you know, get ready for bed or something. Kid puts the radio on. And we find out that um, the, uh, the body of the child yeah. has been found in Northwood Marshes, wherever that may be. Yeah, so then, again, she's, she's constantly having these little chats with herself in her own mind. And uh, she's, but she's also telling Granny that a man's followed her. Yeah, Granny isn't bothered. Don't give a sh- no. shit, does she? Eh? To the point, the, the following is to the point where somehow there's a, there's a change in music. Right. Oh, right. I didn't, I didn't notice a music change. Yeah, later on, she's in bed, and the granny is still up knitting or crosswording or something like that. Music changes, and you can hear footsteps, you know, against gravel. Right. And then a man's face looks through the window. And who should it be? It's Alfred Burke. Public eye. Public eye. <laughs> Investigating something. Now, I was thinking at this point, how has, how has he found... He's found her. How? Oh. Because he didn't, he didn't get on the bus. No. He's not had a close-up. He's so found her, though. And, well, she's... it's because he's a public eye. He knows his... He, he knows, knows his onions. onions. Yeah. So, anyway, well, he's found her anyway, so now yeah. we know she's not safe. Yeah. Okay, right. Next day, it's the end of school. And uh, she uh, is leaving school. She doesn't want to talk to her friends, and she's just going to get on the bus and go home. Enough said. She's going to pretend that they're not there. Yeah. Alfred Burke, P.I., face shot. His face appears again. Okay. He's obviously, he's seen her. Yeah. But we don't know how close he is to her. She gets on the bus. Who's got on the bus? Only Alfred Burke. Yes. They all get on the bus together and he's sitting opposite her. Uh, Yeah. And uh, he starts a conversation with her about pretending to smoke his cigarette. Yeah. Because... Could you not smoke cigarettes on buses in those days? I, I mean, that I, seems weird, doesn't it? Yeah, that you could. Yeah, it, I would have thought you probably uh, probably could. Maybe there was a pot. Maybe there was know. a place. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, well, he d- he doesn't just start talking to her about that. He talks to her about a lot of things that she doesn't respond to because yeah. she isn't going to talk to strangers. Because she decides to do the same thing she's doing with the schoolies. Yeah, and just who oh, are schoolies? Yeah, shut herself off and pretends they're not there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now then, then the bus conductor guy comes over and asks where she wants to go. And in a dialogue, we know she's going to trick him. She can't say it out loud. She's going to get off at a different stop so that this guy doesn't know what stop she's going to get off at. Yeah. It's a nice plan. It is a, it is a good plan. Does it work? Well, he knows where she lives because we've seen his face in, the, in a bedroom window. Yeah. So, so it isn't going to work. Right. It's, not, it's, it's not concrete enough. Now then. Anyway, what he does, he is where she says she's going because she says it quiet. Yeah. Bus conductor... Doesn't hear it. No. He repeats it and says he's going to the same place. Yeah, I'm going to the same place, he says. So now he knows where she's getting off and he's going to do the same. Yeah. He also is trying to find out a name. And, well, the thing is, a lot of this is rhetorical because he or, he knows because he's seen his, her name in a scarf. But he asks her his na- her name. She and says she it's Pamela Best. Pamela Best. And he goes, oh, right. Uh, and you borrowed somebody else's... Uh, music instrument because that says SW there yeah and in fact I do know your name he's, t- he's toying isn't he yeah because I'm a PI bitch because he, <laughs> he calls her Sylvia yeah she looks surprised and he says it says so in your scarf yeah so you think oh right okay maybe he's just really observant but no he's toying yeah that's what it is it's really really horrible it's interesting though that he does come up here with this thing about uh, how if you get your real name 
if you give your real name, you give a person power over you. Because yeah. that's something, when I was younger, I used to read the uh, Dennis Wheatley books. Devil, he, Devil Rides Out. Reminder. He sang the theme tune, wrote the theme yeah, tune. Yeah. Was he? No, he was, he was like Devil Rides Out and To the Devil a Daughter, probably, and stuff like that. It was all sort of Door satanic devil, stuff. Devil stuff. Yeah. yeah. And there was that, that sort of thing that um, your name is power and that you had to protect it. Right, okay. Well, it's, well, it's interesting then that because, it, I mean, but I think you're probably right that, that you, you, you keep that to yourself and then that's a really crucial bit of information that somebody's lacking. Which is, which is why I think maybe people are called Mr. or Doctor yeah. or stuff like that yeah. because then it protects them, it's it hides them. The anonymity. Yeah. Anonymity. I think it goes back to that sort of, yeah, you're that, that right, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Whereas when you're addressing a child, you use the, their ordinary name because yeah. you're in a position of power over them sort of thing. Yeah. Because I always... Get... And, and your relatives. Yeah. You, you, you don't call them by the names, do you? Yeah, you'd, you'd say... We're going to the butchers and we're not going to Mr. McGiggins. We're going to the dentist. Mr. Dentists. But you say we're going to your uncles. You wouldn't say we're going to yeah, Steve Larkins, would you? But, but I mean, it'd be very confusing because I haven't got any of Steve Larkins. <laughs> no, do I? <laughs> well, you yeah. That's probably why so they you don't can't say use it. That. That's why we all use uncle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now then. Um, so, basically, uh, the conversation bit is getting a little bit spooky because... He's starting to... It's a bit condescending because he's starting to say, I'll be able to tell people in years to come that I knew I once got on the bus with a woman who was now a concert, concert pianist, pianist or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he says... He mentions the word funeral. It's not as if we're going... Oh, no, he starts singing, doesn't he? Yeah. And, um, and you know, people are getting a little bit anxious on the bus. It's yeah, there's like a... Like, an old woman on the bus. Yeah, who... I think the um, Monty Python team would have called her Mrs. Pepperpot. Yeah, some, she, yeah, sort of like she has that when they when they used to dress up as uh, as old. Yeah, women. it's a Terry Jones style. Yeah, old woman with, with, the, with a hair ne- a hat, sort of kind of thing, uh, woolly boots, long long coat, shapeless scarf, coat, a uh, uh, handbag con- with a con- elbow constantly cocked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any anyway, he's. He says, oh, you don't appreciate my singing to this old woman. She goes, no, I do not. And he says, it's not as if we're going to a funeral. And he bends over and says this. I mean, it's like that. It's kind yeah. of like, it's just interesting how words... So say. by this time, it's impossible not to be linking him to the... It's got to be him. Hasn't it? Isn't it? The, the, there's no sort of, there can be no doubt in your no. mind. But, but, right, if you were a... Killer, yeah. Would you be being so obvious on the bus? No, you wouldn't, would you? Because you, you know, you're in plain sight, aren't yeah. You? If, yeah. If he had a card round his neck saying "child killer," <laughs> it wouldn't be any less obvious. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. That you just go. You know, somebody who's trying to hide would be hiding. Somebody who isn't trying to hide would be all flamboyant and quite gay about it. Hide in plain sight. Hide in plain sight, as they all say. Um, now he jumps up and sits next to her then yeah. and tries to develop the conversation further he says I'm very fond of children but you're not allowed yeah. you're not allowed to be fond of children that's a bit weird <laughs> as well sort of weird that he lapsed into that sort of Manchester accent in your version <laughs> you're not yeah. allowed to be fond of children 
<laughs> but he's but he's gone very BBC about this now because uh, that would have. I mean, I've often commented on the fact that uh, back then the the, the word paedophile didn't even exist, yeah. right? and, and certainly in, in this case, you know, it's quite harrowing that there was there was a lot of missing people that, that hardly any of them got reported. But uh, it was almost as if the stranger community, you know, the flashers and the doggers and all that lot, got together and were like. We need a new word for these for these uh, kiddie fiddlers. Yeah, probably something Latin. Yeah, uh, that could that we once we when we go to was meetups, they can go in their room and we can stay in our room. Pedophile. That's it. Getting so that's what that's. I mean, he's very fond of children, but uh, he, that's he not says allowed. he says he's not allowed to. Yeah. Now she then gets off. Hey, he says you're getting off at the wrong stop, and she doesn't respond. She just gets off. Yeah, and what she decides to do is ring the police. We've got we've got an interior monologue. Here yeah, she's well. saying I'm going to ring the police, and she starts to describe him in her head as what she's going to tell the police. Which is tall, sort of bald, like streaky bacon. Bacon. Yeah. What? No, what? What? Well, yeah. What bit of him's like streaky bacon? Well, the baldness. I, I, the baldness clearly like streaky bacon, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> I don't know, but I thought it was a bit of an odd thing to say as well. Just, yeah, streaky bacon and, and baldness just don't go together. We, um, we, we see that Mrs. Pepperpot's got off the bus. Yeah, because then when she gets off and, and we see a kind of aerial view, the schoolgirl goes one way and everybody else goes the other way. Schoolgirl, Sylvia, is running towards the phone box. Yeah. And, and that's when she starts... Uh, descri- getting her story straight or what she's going to tell the police. But when she gets there... It's been vandalised. Did, did you catch any of the graffiti? I saw that there was an anarchist sign. Yeah. I saw there was a mods sign. There was a mods rule. So I think that they were trying to cover all bases. <laughs> they, were, they? Yeah. they were just basically, anybody who's aggressive <laughs> will have them in this phone box in the middle of the countryside. Or, or a young child gang, you know, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Any, yeah. Anything that... Anything that the Daily Mail would be frightened of. That's it, yeah. So, um, well, basically, then, it turns out, he's got off too, because he, he turns up at the phone box. And, and she's sort of trapped in it. That's yeah. quite a scary moment, isn't it? Yeah, right? because he's blocking the doorway. Yeah. And he's, he's saying, do you want to pee? And no, he knows that that thing's broken. And he's it's probably just, him. It's probably yeah. him. He's knackered it up, yeah. knowing that she was going to use it at some point. Well, he he... Basically, he gets to that point where he's offering a 2p, and then the old woman appears with a truncheon sort of thing. I think it might be a rolled umbrella. A rolled umbrella, truncheon. It's more same likely thing. to be a rolled yeah. umbrella. Same it? difference. And she's threatening him. Yeah. And um, he's, basically, she interrupts him being so creepy and says, and it, it makes him clear off, and then she says, don't talk to strangers. Where are you going? She goes, yeah. I'm going this way. He goes, right, okay, I'll walk you home. Come on, let's go. And she's all the time suggesting that they call the police. Yeah, there's a lot of police conversation. Yeah, but we do nothing know- suspicious about that police conversation. No, right. They walk off, and at this point, we see him following them. It does, it, but it's sauntering, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, you said to me, walking away, walking towards. Yeah, because you just see a silhouette and you can't quite work it out. There's no, doesn't seem to be any urgency. He's just taking his time now. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, when she follows the old woman, she gets back to where she lives, which is like a caravan. Yeah. It's one of static caravans. It's all done up. Yeah. Um, and uh, they go inside. She's Mrs. Pepperpot's still saying ring the police, and she's putting the kettle on, and there's like a scene of dem- 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 I'm gonna, there's a scene of domesticity here. Yeah, because there's the, there's the biscuits in the thing. I'll put the tea on. Yeah. You put the 
pacers out. Yeah. Uh, I'll ring the police. Now, would it be better to ring the local police or the... Now, I shouldn't ring 999 because this is it's not really emergency and that's for emergencies. I'll ring the local police and she gets the yellow pages out or the Thompson's phone book or whatever it was. In those days. Now, I, I noticed there a stark contrast between the uh, attitude of this Mrs Pepperpot and really every other adult towards towards do- yeah. towards child too much in it or she's, almost too much yeah because she's even complimenting her on the way she's put the biscuits out yeah. and stuff like everything that everything about what she does is being complimented and rewarded and recognised yeah and she's never seen to experience that before yeah so she's warming to it yeah she's smiling again the inner monologues have stopped yeah Pepperpot picks up the phone, which is one of those trim phones, which yeah. I always wanted just to have when yeah, I was definitely. Kid, but we didn't. We had yeah. the, the... It was the sort of thing that they'd used on, um, like, going live or something in yeah, the old days. Yeah, yeah, Still cordless. Now, she, what she says is, the, oh, the, 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 phone's, the phone's dead. Yeah. Anything I think aye is cut the cable. But then she tries it again, and it's, it's alive. So, oh, fine, it's all right. But the thing is, she says, you never know where you are since they've gone automatic. At what point did phones go automatic? Was, <laughs> I mean, I that would suggest that they dialed for you. Automatic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's not I, the right word, is it? I don't know if there's something happened with exchanges or something. It's, it's, you know, because like when you see old phone, old telephone exchanges, you have those women sat with like headphones on, don't you? Put it the in, uh, operator. Yeah. So, and I remember there used to be an operator service mm. when I was little. I don't know whether there still is. You used to dial 100 for the operator. Yeah, I mean, with this, with this been in the days when the phone rang and you'd have gone Doncaster 354421? Yeah, you would, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. But I noticed at this point, Without saying anything, woman hands her a third teacup. Yeah, the music changes, clang, and she hands her a third teacup. Yeah. While she's on the phone to the wrong number. Yeah. She hasn't got through to the local police station. She passes her the phone, sorry, she passes her the the third cup. The girl receives it and goes, what do I do with this? Oh, I'll just, I'll move the other ones along. Yeah. But she hasn't really questioned that there's three people now. She sits down and starts looking around. And as the woman's on the phone to the wrong number still, in walks somebody. Woman puts the phone down and says, Hello, Herbert. And who should it be but Alfred Burke? Alfred Burke. Now, he then comes in, gives her a kiss, and locks the door behind him. And now, it's... This is truly chilling, isn't it? This this is the bit that terrified the four-year-old Chris, isn't it? Yeah, um... Yeah, he, he leans over and said, One likes one's privacy. And, oh, my God, it's horrible. And then you see an image of a flypaper, which is like a... It looks like um, a, a rolled-up piece of paper with syrup dripping down it. Yeah. A fly lands on it because it's sickly syrup. And sticks then on it. Sticks on it and can't get away. It's come, it goes to his death. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that those things, like, add fly poison on so at least it died no it doesn't it struggles to death and that's, that, that's it. a terrible it's way. horrible and then they both shut the blinds she yeah. tries to run she can't w- woman's gone her. cold she's gone yeah. like every other adult in yeah sylvia's life and um and that's where the episode ends and it's, it's truly, just really truly chilling, really bad now what's interesting is at the same sort of time in history is fred and rose west would have been up to up to no good in you know around uh, the countryside, picking up schoolgirls yeah. and stuff, and there is that. I think that's the thing that bothers me the most about this is that that 
It's yeah. plausible. Well, and of course, Myra Hindley and uh, Brado, they were doing yeah. the same sort of thing, isn't it? It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And I, and I have commented on this before that you know I, I did want didn't want to go to. I think when you're in primary school, and a lot of people say to you. Uh, oh, you don't want to go to high school? They'll dump you red in the toilets. And I'd already and then seen like Grange Hill with a sausage and a fork and stuff. Oh, I know, but yeah, but yeah. I I I used to kind of like in the back of my mind, I was like, it can't be any worse than what I saw when I was four years old. I remember sitting that it must have been a couple of days after, and and I can't really remember exactly how this happened. I just remember that story terrifying. Me, okay, yeah. but I was sat and my mum was on the phone talking to somebody, probably me now, about me going to school. So I was in nursery or whatever, and I was, I'd have been going to school at this point. Um, and I was climbing up on the chair, and I was like, I don't, I'm going to be a climber. I don't need to go to school if I'm going to be a climber. I'll be all right. <laughs> and it was because of this fucking thing. I didn't want to go to school because I knew what was about to happen. You could argue, why was I watching this when I was... Well, indeed. But in them days, you couldn't control what kids watch because there'll be cracks in doors and stuff like that yeah, you know I yeah. watched Monty Python when I was this age probably younger yeah um, anyway the point is I saw it it frightened me and it still frightens me now that I've got but, I've got a nine year old kid who I've got to send out into the world horrible it, it did help your climbing career didn't it I am now doing a podcast from the top of Jungfrau Mountain. Yes. We've not mentioned that. No, uh, that's right. No, but, and it has been difficult sitting up the cameras, the microphones without the wind noises. No, that's right. I just remembered. In fact, why don't we go on location for this series? Again, we're already on the Jungfrau. Where would we go? Yeah, well, How do you top the Jungfrau? But well, let's, let's do it. Okay. Well, look, we've uh, have we finished this episode? Are we... Yeah, we, we, we've, we've covered everything. Let's leave it on a high and discuss what next episode is. Right. Well, the next episode is uh, a picture of a place. And this is uh, about an elderly woman who lives in a house full of antiques and is visited by a con man who buys a valuable picture from her at a knockdown price. Yeah, I know this one. This oh, has oh, got green grass oh, in it. Oh, does it? It has got green grass yeah. in it, yeah. yeah. Right, OK, in which case then, we'll, we're back in the countryside for this episode, so yeah. we need to be on her farm, which I think is a kind of farmyard sort of thing. Yeah, there is, yeah. So let's let's We'll find go out where it is. Where it is. Let's visit her farm and do the podcast direct from her farm. Let's do it. OK, well, that concludes that. We need to arrange some travel. Um, we'll get in touch with the, our employers, who are nobody, and work out... <laughs> <laughs> how we're going to get to this on no budget whatsoever unless anybody wants to sponsor us this episode is sponsored by Nike Shoes <laughs> I'd love to be able to say something like that but we're not in a position to do that uh, I, I made some um, sort of adverts for Nike in my head once uh, okay. which were uh, I'll have to tell you another day sorry now, about that I've, I did uh, yeah. do some Nike adverts they were they were like the day to day style adverts though Right. don't do this do this. Don't do this. Do this. i tell you what mine were. I remember mine. Mine weren't for Nike, right? Mine were for fax machines, right? <laughs> and, and one of them was, uh, there was a, um, it was like with the Battle of Marathon and all that sort of business. And, Battle uh, of the Marathon? You know, about who eats the chocolate bar. No, oh, uh, Snickers Marathon. Yeah, right. no, it wasn't that. It was about... Uh, the guy who runs off to tell him that uh, the Spartans are coming, or the Greek Phidippides. Right, yes, right. yes, and yes, he, yes. And he runs yeah. the first marathon. Yeah, that's right. And 23 miles, which is not the same as the mileage that they run in London. No. That was the... So the they invented that marathon size. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But 
what happens is they, he sets off and uh, he gets there knackered. But we cut back with a bit of a hazy time and in the tent uh, on, on site, they've written a fax saying the Greeks are coming. And as Pharipides runs into the king's tent to uh, announce it, the king's already got the fax and he knows. And the thing comes up. Use the facts. It's faster than Pharipides in Nikes. Yeah, so it was a, a little bit of a jibe with Nike, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, and on that bombshell, <laughs> we, we're we going to finish this episode. That was season, that's the first episode of season three. Um, and we'll see you next week. Next week for the first time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.